0: Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Socks. I am your host, Herb Lawrence, and with me directly in the SCORE studio, he's nice enough to join us. We told you, we're going to have a lot of guests this week, and from Pinwheels and Ivy, he's one of the co-hosts of that show, a guy that I've known for a little bit. His name is Matt Zawaski. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good, Herb. Thanks for having me in, man. Oh, no problem. I mean... You're one of the big Sox influencers. You do a show, which I find interesting, firstly, before I get to your Sox origin story, Mm -hmm. with a Cub fan. How did this start, the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast that you guys do?
1: So I'm sure, you know, this is nothing new to you or anyone listening, but the podcast game is getting flooded with, you know, all these different shows. And Mm -hmm. the the hardest thing to do is, you know, have something that's unique. And, you know, you got your daily thing going, which is a grind, man. Much respect to you for that. Mm -hmm. But, uh... We were trying to find a different angle, something different, and we're looking, and there was no Cubs-Sox hybrid podcast. And Aldo's been my guy for a couple years now. That dude, he knows how to get under my skin, but he also knows how to make me laugh. I love how he deals with trolls and everything, and he knows the ins and outs of the Cubs organization. So we got to talking, and we got going with it. And then uh, we had Matt Inuko on, who uh, referred to as Nuke, He uh, played in the White Sox system, so he brought, you know, the former player aspect, and that was the trio. And then, you know, Nuke, uh, good for Nuke, but he had a couple kids, you know, real world got in the way. And then uh, so he kind of faded out a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him back. But then my guy, Reverend Fiddler came in, and he actually, Chicago born and bred, but he moved out to Vegas, and he was Chris Bryant's high school baseball coach. So it just all kind of clicked, and, you know, Aldo and myself, as you probably know, we live on Twitter. You know, we see everything on both sides of the coin. Exactly. I've never been one of those Sox fans, and I'm probably going to get yelled at for this, but I've never been one that hates the Cubs. I've always been one that just ignored them. They don't matter to me.
0: Me the same. I 100%. I mean, there's different Sox fans for the Twitter age and all the people out there. You're from the South Side, so I assume, (laughs) and I know some of your family, so— And if you guys don't know, he's cousins with our own 670 The Scores, Jay Zawaski. What's your origin story of becoming a White Sox fan?
1: Well, you know, it was tough being the most handsome Zawaski. So <laughs> when I, you know, finally emerged as that, um, I mean, it, it, I really was just born into it. There's okay. there's no real, like, aha moment. I've heard some of the backstories on some of your other guests, and they all had this moment. It was just from day one. I mean, I, I got Southside just coursing through my veins. I grew up in. The Beverly, Mount Greenwood area, and mm-hmm. then I went to college down in Florida for a little bit, came back, lived in Bridgeport for a while, and, you know, that's White Sox crazy. And then I uh, moved back to, and I've never left the South Side. I'm, I'm one of those South Side horror stories where, the, you know, you never leave the neighborhood, and I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way.
0: I mean, I've never really lived in that area of the South Side. I've lived in different areas of the South Side. All I've seen from that area is good People, good-hearted mm-hmm. people. I mean, you, some people give a bad name for the South Side, yeah. anywhere in the South Side. But I've been out to you guys' hood and mm-hmm. Beverly uh, Mount Greenwood. I think I went to that bar yeah. on Jay Zawaski's uh, bachelor party up oh, upstairs, yeah, yeah, played yeah. some um, ship captain crew. Yeah, we did. That was a good time. Yeah. So you know, you have your preconceived notions of people people from the south side, people from the west side, north side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's all good. If you can find a place that you can call home, there's nothing wrong with that. And I am a White Sox pessimist. What a guy that would be negative on Rick Hahn. How do you feel about what he's done this offseason? And what were your thoughts of him before you, he started moving this year?
1: Yeah, so it's it's kind of a enigma. And I guess it's a draw to the show because they call it uh, Zolk. Zulking out like zoe's hulk yeah i'm very optimistic Mm -hmm. always optimistic to a fault and then all of a sudden something will flip inside of me and when i get pissed off i get really passionate and i'll mother f everybody in the organization i'll flip out you know and but um up to this just like any other Sox fan, I think I got really tired of the losing, and out of that losing came frustration. And Yes. Uh, you know, some things that happened that weren't really his fault. I was pinning on him, and I was getting real pissed off. And then, you know, like I always gave him the benefit of the doubt, and then going into this offseason, you had that feeling after the complete shit show that was last off season. Mm-hmm. he couldn't be any worse. And I was very, again, optimist to a fault, and – uh the Grandal signing happened, and as soon as that happened, it it flipped in my head, and I had a big ear-to-ear smile, and our whole show, the dynamic, the cubs socks, completely flipped, because now I got two Cubs fans that are pissed at their front office, mm-hmm. while I'm sitting here just being like, oh, we signed who? Oh, we got him?
0: Yeah. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's been a great offseason, and I'm a big-time Rick Hahn pessimist before this, and maybe still. Just like you, Yasmani Grandal signing signaled to me, man... This is the start of something real. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that he got the top catcher free agent, probably a top 10 guy in the whole class. That's fair. In the middle of November. And we're like, oh, my God. Like He had to overpay, and I put those in quotes, for this guy to say, I want to be on this team right now and forget all the rest of the teams. He's paying me a fair market value or more. I'm going to be on the White Sox. That told me that he's sending out a clarion call to the rest of the free agents We're ready to sign you, and he's done nothing but impress me besides the Nomar Mazzara thing, which is a nothing now in the grand scheme. I was kind of pissed at him for that, but otherwise, the man's been doing excellent work.
1: Yeah, no, and I think the the Nomar thing, it was just a a circumstance of timing. Mm -hmm. You know, we got Grindal right away, and at the time, we were really excited about it, and we— Until later when, you know, Dallas came, Keiko came along, we were like, why would you sign him so early? Uh And then the winter meetings come and there's all these names and there are all these sexy names and everybody wants these guys and the White Sox come out with no more, you know, and it's just like, what happened, dude? You had all this momentum. What happened? And then I just picture in my head, I picture Han just being like, just wait a minute, wait a minute. I got this. I got a plan. There's something working
0: behind the scenes here. And he showed us. In your daily life, I know this happens to me with the line eye. Especially, but do White Sox games affect your mood afterwards? Oh, one hundred percent. If they get smoked, it's just it's it's
1: a terrible feeling. It's kind of like that with the Bears too. And Mm -hmm. the Bears though is like this whole city. Like you get on the train to come downtown on a Monday morning after they got smoked, and it's like Walking Dead. But White Sox, yeah. I mean, when they go on runs and they're you know winning six seven games in a row, you got a little extra pop in your step, a little extra strut, and especially. In a city that's dominated by Cubs fans, we are definitely the minority in Sox fans in the city. Yes, we are. But as if when they go on a run or when they make these big free agent signs, you kind of have a little bit, you know, like there's a little fu to your step. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. Not, you not wear didn't. your
0: socks hat a little prouder. You you show it off. You're like wearing I'm wearing a Padres hat today. But, you know, you're just, you're donning it. You're like, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I'm a White Sox fan. I know there's only like 20 of us here, but I know the rest of you Cub fans are sitting here jealous about My White Sox swag, and that's how I feel this year. So much swag, so much good. I hate using that word, but that's what I feel. Timmy, I mean, Yohan swagalicious. Mm -hmm. We're going to have people out there, even Nomar Mazzara. If that man's like the 7th, 8th best hitter on the team, hitting bombs, 25 bombs this year, Mm -hmm. we're going to be out there doing things. And I feel so good. Like, I haven't felt this good about an offseason season since probably the 2012, 2013, when you got Samarja, Melky Cabrera, and David Robertson. But how do you feel about this team going into 2020? I was talking to Dave Williams, the White Sox Dave on Twitter, about this. I was saying that, to me, they're the favorite, just because I hate the Twins. And I think the White Sox are better than the Twins every year, Mm -hmm. no matter what. But what are you feeling about the White Sox competing in the AL Central this year?
1: I think they're going to compete. I think the division is right for the take. And I, I did listen to, you know, you're in Dave's uh, episode. Shout out, Dave. Mm-hmm. Always a great job. And then uh, and I agree with a lot of your guys' points. The, twi- the Twins aren't going to win 100 games. Mm-mm. They're not going to win 100 games. The Sox have, we're like coming in with almost a brand new lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, top to bottom holes have been fixed. And there's still reinforcements coming. The pipeline is full for now. I know Beef Loaf likes to go back and remind everybody that after this run of prospects. But for now, so I guess what I'm trying to say, Herb, is I am set up to get my heart broken. Okay. I think I am, I'm over the moon with optimism. I think the best of these guys— I'll admit very dumbly, I think every prospect's gonna pan out. I know that's not the case, but I just I'm I'm in a whirlwind of excitement about it right now, and I think that's kind of my angle with the White Sox Phantom and white sox Twitter is i'm a I'm an optimist.
0: Mm-hmm. I think also I think anything less than competing up until September and then throughout mm-hmm. maybe I won't hold to the standard of winning the actual al Central, but battling for it, that's minimum for me. going into September being. Three games out at worst is where I'm looking for. And then if you fizzle out, I guess I can understand some of these guys, especially the pitchers, where you have Cease pitching his first full year, Kopech coming off an injury, first full year of Major League pitching. You'll have the first full year of Robert. You'll have maybe a half a year from Madrigal. Them hitting a wall in September from not playing these many games, understandable. Also, I worry sometimes about – The back of the rotation, now, Gio will give you six and dive. Mm -hmm. Gio Gonzalez, I got to differentiate. Giovanni Gonzalez, I'll have to call him Giovanni instead of Lucas Gio, Lito, will give you six and dive. But what will Ronaldo Lopez, the rehabbed arm of Michael Kopech, or even if Carlos Rodon comes back in July or August, what are you looking for at the back end of that rotation? So,
1: First and foremost, I'm, I'm looking for a competition, and mm-hmm. now a competition breeds greatness. You know, we're going to have the best at the positions because of the competition. Now, something that I thought was extremely interesting is on MLB.com, they had all these uh, GM polls about the prospects. Okay. And, uh, of course, my guy Nick Madrigal got baseball smarts, number one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the thing that really stood out to me was pitcher most likely to be the best closer. And you know who won out of all the GMs? Who? Michael Kopeck. Wow. So okay. the, they picture him as just being that fireball, Chapman-like, minus the off-field crap. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, just, I don't hate it. Okay. I don't, but I I don't want it. Let's put it, does that make sense? Cause I hear you. Yeah. I, I want him to be a stud, Randy Johnson, go out there, mow everybody down type guy. But if he ends up being a, a complete lights-out closer, and we have him for X amount more years because mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm.
0: not mad. I also think the same thing, and we we're talking about this with Dave, too. This is the thing. you got to convince these pitchers. Not all of you can be starters. Right. And to further your career, maybe Rodon, Michael Kopech, mm-hmm. you've had injuries. You've had the Tommy John surgery. and Rodon's case, he's had shoulder surgery year right. after year. Maybe you just go to two pitches. Fastball changeup. Fastball slider for Rodon. Yep and you're going to be dominant closer. Dominant closers get paid too, y'all. They sure do. And early in his career, maybe you want to do that with Michael Kopeck. Hey, let's slow you up. This year they're going to have him on an innings limit anyways. Mm-hmm. They're going to start him in AAA and probably come and bring him up and be a starter. But if Ronaldo Lopez dominates and Giovanni Gonzalez dominates, he might not have a spot in this rotation when it comes to time for him to be brought up. I don't know if he wants to do that. Right. As a competitor, he'd probably be like Chris Sale when they were going to put him in the, That's in the exactly bullpen. That's exactly what I was thinking about. He's like, hell no. F you, Kenny. <laughs> I want to be in that rotation. And it was a smart move on Chris Sale's yeah, part. It worked out. But he might not have a spot. I hope he doesn't have a spot. Let's say that. Let's say that all the top five pitchers are pitching so well that, hey, Michael, there's no spot. Hey, right. Rodon. No spot. You want to go to that back of that bullpen or that mid-roll, that Andrew Miller uh, hater role? Go ahead and do it, my man, yep. because we need you, and maybe next year you'll crack the rotation. Is that is that a deal? Break. What about your lineup? What do you huh. say about, Yohan Is probably the guy that everybody wants to avoid being at the top of the lineup, the the number one guy. Right. So, Who are you going to put up there? Are you going to put Timmy up there to start the season? Or Dave last night said that he would put Yasmani Grandal at the top of the order because he's a 380 guy from Milwaukee last year. Who's your top of the order guy? So, again, good to have options. Nice to have choices.
1: Uh, Baby. I mean, anyone that follows me on Twitter, you know my guy is Nick Madrigal. Mm -hmm. I get yelled at to a fault by people on Twitter about how dumb I am for loving this kid. And Nick, if you listen, shout your guy out. I'm your biggest chill. Me and uh, King Mac on Twitter. Are, are you?
0: That's very surprising that you are Nick Madrigal P1. Yep. You are the guy. Because a lot of guys, myself, Lawrence Holmes, who hosts, we call him Slappy, yep. and we're thinking prospects are suspect until proven otherwise. Which is fair. You're a guy who wants Nick Madrigal up, I mean, and mm-hmm. be in that number one spot. I think... When his season and his career is established, maybe yeah. he can be that guy. But right off the jump, you think Nick's got the balls so, to steal?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't mind him in the nine hole because mm. I do get the flip. I get the flip. Mm-hmm. You know, AL, you have the luxury. You have that nine spot. You put him down there. He gets on base for your top guy. Now, the Grand Ole episode you put out, that kind of blew my mind. Like, I had to take a step back and think about that. And it makes so much sense that it's almost scary. Yes. You know, and it's just – I mean, he's a catcher, so in your head it's a little bit unorthodox. You're like, why is he a catcher batting first? What's going? On? But it makes sense. The guy gets on base. Yeah. And we play in such an analytic-driven game now, where he gets on base. Timmy doesn't get on base like that. No.
0: Last year, three sixty, but I like. I think it's a fluke year. Mm-hmm. He hit well. I think he's coming back down. If he just comes back down to two ninety, that's fine. He'll probably be a three twenty on base guy because he mm-hmm. doesn't walk that much. Oh. So yeah, I don't like him at the top of the order. I don't like him seventh either, but you know, right. and you know, know Ricky's going to put them. I don't know.
1: Remember last year when White Sox would put out their lineup in Twitter, the pitchforks would come out every day, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then they try to – somebody – I can't remember who, but somebody just straight up asked Ricky, why is T.A. batting seventh? Mm-hmm. And his response, deadpan, straight face, said that's where he likes to hit. That's where he hits. He bats seventh. Okay. All right. And now he's your batting champ. So."
0: I mean, if it works, it works. But right. also, it was AJ Reed in the lineup. It was Yo- Yonder Alonso <laughs> in the AJ lineup. Don't say AJ
1: Reed. That's a trigger for me. Don't say yeah. AJ Reed. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> like, they literally put him at cleanup right. and then DF would him the next day. I don't know if that's ever happened in baseball history. A man batting so many times at cleanup. And same thing with Yonder Alonso. And now Yomer's gone and mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of Lurie. Maybe he'll be playing second before Nick comes up. But. Those were the options last year. And so Timmy hitting seventh made no damn sense. Right. This year hitting him seventh makes sense because you have real hitters up in front of him. So we went from last year with
1: AJ Reed and Leandro yes. Alonso mm-hmm. and Yalmer, Carlos, Sanchez, whatever he wants to go by. And now we're talking about Edwin Carcinho. We're talking about Yasmani Grandel. We're talking about Luis Robert, because he's gonna be a beast. beast. Yeah. And so i wouldn't be mad if Nick Madrigal best ninth. He gets on base, and then you have La Pantera come up right behind him, and he puts one on the
0: damn Dan Ryan. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at that. There's there's so many options, though, and it's fantastic. It's the best thing of all time that you have a lineup that you're like, man, I want all these batters to be lined up. You can go, like somebody put this, like you could have a game where the White Sox hit six home runs in a row. Like you start off with, (laughs) if you start off with Grandal, then you go with Yohan, then you go with Edwin, then you go with Abreu, Then you go with uh, Eloy. We went from negative right field, Polka, whatever you put out there, Cordell. Great guys, probably. Mm -hmm. Terrible at baseball. Mm -hmm. Then the DH position, it was just bad last year, too. It was negative. Like, we have a designated hitter that couldn't hit. Now you go from one of the worst to probably second, third best DH in the game behind J.D. Martinez, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so you're feeling good about life and you don't have to have any more at-bats of Adam Engel, even though he was decent when he did come back from AAA. Mm-hmm. He's your fourth outfielder. Perfect. Yep. Perfect for that guy. Hold on a second for me, Matt, as we talk about the Arizona Office of Tourism. This spring, follow the White Sox down to Arizona, Glendale to be exact, for Cactus League spring Train. They share a facility with the Dodgers. There's amazing weather, landscapes, and exciting outdoor activities all there in Arizona. And there's 10 stadiums, 15 different teams, 75-degree weather. And one thing I want to talk to you about is the food down there. I don't know if you ever heard of a Sonoran dog. So delicious. It's, It's like bacon wrapped on a hot dog. Delicious. Try a Sonoran dog when you're down there. You can bring the kids down to spring training horseback riding, family-friendly resorts. You can go out to a water park, have the kids have the blast of their lifetime, and then after that, go to a game and get an autograph from Yoan mancada Get one from Yasmani Grandal, Ricky Renteria, any of the people you want to get an autograph from, definitely they're accommodating when you're down in Arizona. Plan your spring training getaway right now at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's Visit arizona.com slash spring training and tell them Herb Lawrence from Locked On Sox sent you. I want to ask you, as I am a guy that doesn't really care about managers and what they do during games Mm -hmm. specifically, what's your thoughts on Ricky Renteria and... Moving forward, you think the White Sox will keep him as the head boss?
1: We we just talked about this on our, the last episode of Pinwheels, but I think this is uh, nut up or shut up time for Ricky. So the last couple years he was dealing with those trash Kansas players that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So he can hide behind, oh, you give the greatest manager in the world, those players, they're still going to suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ain't that ain't the game anymore. Now, you have a great lineup all. top to bottom. you got a decent bench. Wouldn't mind another utility infielder, but, you know, Han's done his thing, you know. But uh, you have a great rotation. Mm-hmm. You have an above-average bullpen. You got prospects coming. You're going to have to manage these guys. You're going to have to put together a comp- comprehensive lineup to match lefties, righties, situation. Ricky's going to have to manage this year. Mm-hmm. There's no, <laughs> um, here's my shitty product. Sorry, guys, they suck. Nothing I can do about it. You have a good team this year. So this is really, for me, this is when I'm going to judge Ricky is on this season right here. Mm-hmm. And if they don't compete, if they're sitting in third place, Come May, September, I'm done with Ricky. Yeah. I'm done. And luckily we're fortunate enough to have these guys locked up under contract where we can have this one year of seeing what we have in Ricky. But if they don't get it done this year with this team, if they're not even competitive, yeah, it's time to move on. That's that's
0: where I'm at with Ricky. I'm thinking that same as you. I mean, I don't really care if he's there or not, but the bunning thing drives me crazy of yeah. specifically about him. If he bunts with guys who are batting second, which would be Yoan Moncada, I will choke him.
1: <laughs> I think you gonna have to get in line.
0: Uh, yes, because this guy, I haven't, I don't think we spoke at length of how great the jump from 2018 to 2019, Yoan Moncada was. He was, in my estimation, lost in 2018 for mm-hmm. several reasons. He wasn't swinging at two strike pitches. He has a good eye, so he thought, this ball is off the plate. I'm not swinging at it. Umps mm-hmm. would consistently call those third strikes. And he was justified as he was called out on a lot of bullshit calls. But the interview with Lawrence Holmes and Steve Stone on this 670 the score, and Stoney said that Jose Abreu was the one who went to him and said, you know what, you can't leave your bat in the hands of the umpire. you got to get aggressive early in the count because – they know that you're a very patient hitter, and they'll throw you junk at the end of the at-bat, so you'll have a tougher at-bat. He took that to heart and got his shit together and became, I say, a top-15 hitter, and people brush back about that. He is a top-15 hitter currently, yes. and I only see growth from this young man. What are your thoughts on Yoan Mankat and how he's grown into the actual guy that we are promised? Yeah, no, I mean, we were
1: told... At well, now it's a one-year anniversary. At Soxfest last year, when Han was asked about it and some of the other players and about his approach, and they basically said, "You just got to swing more, dude. Like mm-hmm. you got, we get it. You got a great eye, but you have un, you have crazy bad speed and un, mm-hmm. just disgusting. When he does that bat drop swag, mm. Mm, that's just that's like baseball <laughs> porn. We both just went mm, yeah. at the same time. But <laughs> I think." um you know, when you see some people and they say the hypothetical, like, oh, he moved to third base, so he's in the game. That's horseshit. shit. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a professional baseball player, you're paying attention to every pitch. Mm-hmm. But I just, I mean, I never knew that Obreu story. That's freaking awesome. Yes. I mean, that's the, how do you not love this team? They got so many good leaders and awesome guys and so many good stories. But anyways, I think, yeah, I mean. You had the shitty version, you had the above-average version, and now I'm ready for, like, the the superstar, the Diamond Series. I play a lot of MLB to show it. The Diamond Series, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the boss version of Yohan Mankata, and I think he's in a lineup now where he'll be even more protected. I mean, you can't just pitch around him, Mm-mm. and I'm not saying people were because he didn't really earn that yet, but he's a top-15 war. Yeah. He finished the season, and... I just I'm so stoked about this kid. I and it's like it's funny that it's like an overlook because of everything that's happened this off season. You're just like, oh yeah, and we have a very improving Moncada.
0: Yes. Like hmm. even if he stayed at the player that he was last year, that's still a great player. I don't think he's gonna stay there. He's gonna ascend to higher heights. He's and so young. speaking of guys who are young that we've overlooked in this whole process, Eloy Jimenez, that man, went from chasing sliders. Mm-hmm. And then adjusting, saying, okay, you're going to throw me a slider. I'm going to serve that to right field. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to lay off that one that's off the plate. And he came up with, what, 31 home runs in the end of the year, Mm -hmm. being hurt twice and adjusting to the league. I only see great things for Eloy Jimenez, even in the outfield, where he's not great. Mm -hmm. But we saw that on the north side where Kyle Schwarber wasn't great and he turned himself into a league average or slightly above league average left fielder. I think Eloy has that same, probably little less, because I think his athleticism is slightly off of what Kyle Schober is, which is weird to say, mm-hmm. but I'm very hyped up for Eloy Jimenez to be a guy that's probably like the fourth best hitter on the team, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. What are your thoughts on Eloy Jimenez and his progression, his second year in the major leagues? I mean,
1: you really hit on him. When he came back from that last injury, he finished the year on a complete tear mm-hmm. and again it's something that was overlooked because the season was already chalk it up and these were just games mm-hmm. i think he rides that momentum and just some of the the quotes from him him going down and playing in those the spanish ball leagues to just strictly work on his defense and he's basically taking bp reps down there i think and i i kind of bunch him with ta in this like all right you you've established you can hit yes. you, you just keep doing what you did there I need you taking ground balls for T.A. I need you taking pop-ups for Aloy, like, nonstop. I, that defense, and it's nice because they have the hitting down so now they can focus in on, I need to work, this is the part I need to work. White Sox just signed Dallas Keuchel. If Tim Anderson doesn't learn how to field ground balls, we're, we're going to be in trouble. It's going to be a long year for Dallas. But Aloy, a lot of the stuff in the left field was, unfortunately, it was really elementary stuff. And you're like, come on, really, dude? You're going to take that route? You're yes. Gonna do it? And it's just bonehead stuff that... He's young, too. He's just a kid. I know he's huge, but he's just a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think, the I mean, it's me and you sitting in the studio right now. You know, I'm sure guys that get paid to coach are well aware that they need to focus in on this one skill. And I, I'm i am very excited about him. I think we're going to see a nice progression like we saw with Yuan. Uh The big thing was the sliders blowing away. And, unfortunately, I think uh, Luis Roberts is going to fall victim to that for a little bit. I think you guys touched on that last episode, too. But, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm – God. I'm just, Herb. I'm pumped, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm just excited. I don't want to sound like such a fanboy here, but I'm just. There's really not too many things to get negative on. I mean, I know the bullpen has its little weaknesses, and mm-hmm. again, we're talking as if all these prospects are gonna pan out. You know, there's gonna be a learning curve,
0: but there will be. And speaking of something, where we're gonna bring you down a little bit. <laughs> I don't think Lucas Giolito is the guy that he was at the first half of last season. I don't think he's the 2018 guy either. If he can be closer to the top of the league guy, I would be very thrilled. But I don't like that year he had in 2019 was a complete surprise to everybody. Mm -hmm. Every single person. Now he'll probably keep with James McCann, and I think that's a mistake. But if he feels good that James McCann calls a good game and that's how he feels his pitches are best utilized more power to him. Mm-hmm. I would rather him go with the better catcher in Yasmani Grandal, but if you need to give Yasmani a day off every fifth, go ahead with the guy that, you know, feels comfortable with him. So, what do you see for Lucas Giolito and then the rest of the rotation? Well, Lucas came back down to earth in the second half of the season after the ALS. So we all
1: saw it, and mm-hmm. I think that's more of what we're going to get. Um, I look at the McCann thing kind of like Lester and when they had Ross, you know, like that's my guy, he gets me, and we all know Lucas It wasn't a physical injury. It was between the ears Mm -hmm. that was the cause for that whatever 2018 was. McCann's the one that got him straight. And I think it's a little bit more than just calling the game. I think there's a lot of mental, like they got this thing, you know. I I agree. Without a doubt, Grindel's better framing. He's a better catcher. But if if it's this much of a psychological thing for Lucas, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: take it, McCann. If we can get, you know, I think we're going to get second half Lucas. I think that's, he comes back to the mean a little bit. Okay. Um, Keiko is, he's Dallas Keiko, man. He's going to get ground balls. It's a lot like Mark Burley, who I love Mark Burley. But, you know, he, Dallas fits in right away. He's got that Southside swagger already. He changed his avi on Twitter. Put bad, bad Leroy Brown. He's talking <laughs> about, he's putting up pictures of him when he was a kid in a White Sox uniform. Keiko knows what he's doing. That man is a businessman and a pitcher. Southside's going to eat him up. We love that guy. Mm-hmm. Dylan C. S. I am a fan of. So I have a theory on Dylan Cease. Okay. Dylan Cease has one bad inning every game. He has one bad inning, and then he comes out and just straight just mows people down. The best example of this was in Tampa Bay. He gave up, like, this bomb of a home run, opened the floodgates, gave up, like, five, six runs that inning, and then came out and retired, like, ten in a row. Yeah. And, unfortunately, that was, like, the standard for Dylan Cease. I don't don't get it. I don't know why. I know it's fastball control, fastball command, and, he has the stuff, though, and I really think that if they could just eliminate that one
0: shitty inning every game. It might be like what Giolito was going through where he let things bother him mm-hmm. instead of, okay, that was a rocket double, let's get the next guy out. Yeah. Instead of, fuck, that rocket double just went by. I'm struggling. I yeah. suck at baseball now. <laughs> Hopefully going through the year realizing that you know nothing's that serious and – Hey, he, people are going to get hits off me. Right. It's going to happen. Let's buckle down and get the guy out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so just like we were just talking about with McCann and Giolito, who's to say that Grandel is not that for Cease? Mm-hmm. You have the guy who's, you know, crazy experience. And we briefly touched on it. he's one of the best framing catchers in baseball. So, a guy that's trying to figure out his fastball command, who do you want catching for him? A guy that can frame his pitches better, mm-hmm. that's going to steal him a couple strikes here and there. And if it is psychological, oh, he just stole me that strike. Well, I'm feeling good. All right, fuck that guy. I got that guy out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he, he's, I... yeah, he's rolling, and now everything's so. I think Grendel is going to be fantastic for Dylan Cease. I think I'm not saying like you know all star even, but I think middle rotation, mm-hmm. let's go. I, I'm I'm big on that. Uh, Ray Lopez again finished the year.
0: Hmm
1: kind of okay you know yeah. I mean ideally Kopik takes that spot but then we talk about the closer so I don't know he's shown us things like what do you have in the game against Detroit like 19 strikes he had like that or not 19 it's like but 14 14 strikeouts yeah. against Detroit and he's shown us flashes of mm-hmm. what he can do it's, it's more a consistency thing and That's your fifth starter. I mean, it's it's an interchangeable spot, but we're talking about Ray Lopez and not Dylan Covey. So I am. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm okay
0: with this. I'm sure Dylan Covey, like I said, with Charlie Tills and Cordell, yeah, probably the greatest dudes. Mm -hmm. Get off my team. Yeah, go to the Royals. Go to the Tigers. They need people pitching and catching for them. It's great to have the Spanier and Trash like that on the team. And another guy tried to tell me that. Ivan Nova had a was a pretty good pitcher last year. That man had a five fit. Yes, he mm-hmm. dominated versus Houston and the Cubs. Yep. He was great, and I appreciate those starts. But that man overall was trash. And enjoy yourselves, Detroit. Yeah, we'll be eating versus <laughs> Ivan Nova. Was not mad to see that transaction. No, not at all. So yeah, this is this is a good time. And the last thing I got for you now: the White Sox are coming into 2020 as. Maybe a contender for the AL Central. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing projections of the White Sox with a guy. If they get a right fielder a little better than they have Nomar Mazara taking over the Twins, would you be in? If the White Sox got Castellanos or Puig, would you would you want them to go and get those type of guys or would you want them to hold on to that money and possibly go after a George Springer next year or Mookie Betts? What is your your preference? You think having Castellanos for the next five years would be better spent money than spending $300 million on or $400 million on a Mookie Betts, who I love, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of money and never close to what the White Sox have spent.
1: So I guess to answer your question with the can- question, like, how big of a gambler are you? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if the White Sox go out this year and do the damn thing like we think they're going to, mm-hmm. and they show the world, like, yo, this is legit, and you know, you know, and everyone listening to this that's a White Sox fans know if this team is legit and they do win, the South Side is going to go ape shit for them. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to yeah. embrace this team. Like, when the, the White Sox are good, the White Sox fans, we talked about the swag earlier. It's, it's at 11. Like, everyone's – and – That's something that the legal see because right now they see an empty stadium. They see you know what I mean. And if I swear to God, if anyone tweets me an attendance joke,
0: but (laughs) uh, you know, and they sold a lot of uh, season tickets so far. I've heard. Yeah,
1: yeah. Dave tweeted out. You know, they've already exceeded what they did last year, and we're in December. You know, or January. Jesus, time flies. Um, But if they go out and they do what they do, the world sees it. Maybe even make a a playoff game would be absolutely you know crazy on the south side right now. That's attractive to a Springer. That's attractive to a Mookie Betts. So mm-hmm. then, yes, I would say ride it out with an Omar and then go after the big fish because you have a chance to land them. Now, the right field market's been kind of weird. How it's kind of died
0: off. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we were supposed to sign Marcel Azuna. Didn't happen. Right. Maybe in the Nicholas Castellanos conversation, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe Puig was gonna come here, even though they have beef with. Abreu didn't happen, mm-hmm. and none of those guys, I haven't heard any of those guys getting no. any type of offers. So that's wild to me. So that that's kind of
1: like it's flattened out. So, yeah, if you can get Puig for, you know, if he wants to sign a one-year deal for whatever, sure. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't want to commit to Casiano's for five years. So no, Yeah, yeah so no
0: long-term deals for you.
1: No, I don't want to do that. I okay. want to roll the dice. I want to see what we do this year. And, you know, if we can become, you know, the cute girl at the dance that everybody wants to, you know, go dance with. Let's go dance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's get out there and let's go after this big. And that, if that's the last, mm. last piece of the puzzle. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Even like, like downshifting to George Springer, which sounds ridiculous. Yeah, that's awesome. The team would be dumb. Good. Oh, that's like, a video game. Yeah. And so, like, I remember just like not hitting home runs last year and a home run hitting atmosphere where people got the juice ball. Minnesota's hitting 300 plus home runs and we're hitting like a buck 80 or something like that, something mm-hmm. short. This year, even before we, you know, if we get Castellanos or Andor Puig, they're going to hit 250 plus home runs this year mm-hmm. with Edwin hitting his 30, Eloy learning how to hit again 35. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many from Robert. The standard thirty from uh, a Brayu maybe Johan's gonna probably be up there twenty five to thirty five. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but man, we're gonna be hitting home runs. You add a uh, George Springer, you add Mookie Betts, Jesus. Yep. I just I I'm daring to dream, and now I was gonna be of the mindset you go and get the person now who's gonna be solid. That's and a safe s- play. Yeah, and and in your lineup, you can have a platoon if you really wanted to with Lomar Mazzara, especially if you get Puig. But now, yeah, hold your money. Mm-hmm. Hold your money. They are still lower than Major League average on payroll. You add a guy like Mookie next year. You At least you give yourself a chance to add a guy like Mookie next year. Yes. And you say, now, mm-hmm. now, Major Leagues, now, um Yankees. Enjoy uh, Garrett Cole, all those innings on his arm. Mm-hmm. We got something for his ass. Because you remember last year, Garrett Cole's last loss in the regular season came to the White Sox, and they beat the shit out of him. Like it was like seven to one. It was a <laughs> With beating. Charlie Tilson. yeah, <laughs> it was a beating. Yeah, he hit a home run. Yeah. yeah, so I'm feeling good about this White Sox team. Maybe not winning the whole AL Central, but I damn sure think they should be competing until September. Matt, it's been a pleasure having you in. I appreciate you coming in, talking to some White Sox. I'm feeling even better than when you came in. <laughs> we're hyped.
1: Yeah, that's what we're here for. And I mean, yeah. Check Me out, pinwheels ivypod at southsidezo on Twitter. Uh, Herb, thanks, man. Thanks for bringing me into the mothership here. And you know, this
0: is really cool, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. And if you guys are out there, locked on socks on Twitter, lockedonsocks at gmail.com is the email. Send questions, suggestions, guys who you think I should interview on locked on socks. I'll see you guys if you're listening to this before January 24th. I'll see most of you guys at Reggie's where the 108 is doing a post-Sox Fest party, and I'm on one of the panels with one of the 108 guys, or maybe all of the 108 guys. So I'll see you there, and we can meet, we can talk, maybe do an impromptu show. I hate saying emergency podcast because there's nothing wrong. It's always good. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Locked on Sox, I'm your host, Herb Lawrence.